Hey, Husky fans, welcome back to Fourth and Inches, a Husky podcast from Sports Illustrated Husky Maven Channel. My name is Trevor Mueller, and with me is Jake Grant, Dan We're Smith, and Hightower. We're season three, the new guys. The other guys, you got the it. other guys. <laughs> yeah. I know I've used, I used the other two in the uh, <laughs> last season. I love that movie. Me too. Yep. I was bummed when The Rock was in it for like four minutes. <laughs> I was like, so when's he come back? It's so funny that he's like, you aim for the bushes? There goes my hero. Watch him as him. There wasn't even an awning. What were they going for? So, uh, Jake, we're here for uh, the weirdest year in about 100 years. This is the first time that college football hasn't started in – September or even late August. Pac twelve. What's that? This hot take. We're still not doing this face to face. Yeah, we are. We've been social distancing since we started this show, so we were way ahead of the curve. Way ahead of the curve. We were even on our second long distance platform. <laughs> we got five weeks to go. Pac twelve was the last one to the party, but guess what? We're dancing now. We got a season coming up. It's going to be starting on November 7th. We got a six-game schedule plus a seventh game. Um, And we are here to preview the Arizona schools. Of course, it's alphabetical, but it's also because those are the two that I have done right now. So um, we have two interviews. We have Eric Townsend from the Zona Zealots, a fan-sided site. And we have SI's own Sandy Charles, who covers – the Arizona State Sun Devils. We are going to pick after you listen to their segments. Hey, Husky fans. Welcome back to Fourth and Inches, a Husky podcast from Sports Illustrated Husky Maven Channel. My name is Trevor Mueller, and with me is Jake Grant. And today we're going to be talking some Arizona Wildcat football. We have Eric Townsend from the fan-sided Zona Zealot site. He is the expert on all things Wildcats. Uh, Eric, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. I appreciate the opportunity. What is the state of the Arizona program at this moment? Well, I mean, it's kind of hard to say, obviously, with, with coronavirus impacting that. But, um, I mean, things are not good. Uh, you know, there's a lot of talk that, you know, someone may have been fired or, or could have been fired after the end of the ASU game uh, this last season. Um, you know, the program's not in good shape. They're, I think, 9-15 and 15 in the last few seasons. Uh, you know, seems like they're growing stale. Um, not much optimism. I know they're picked, I believe, fifth in the Pac-12 South currently. So, yeah, not not looking good so far. Well, and you just mentioned Kevin Sumlin. How do you feel that the Sumlin era is going? Do you feel – you just mentioned that you don't feel like you're in an upward swing, but do you think he's on an extremely hot seat right now, or do you think it's cooled over the offseason a little bit? Uh, I mean, that's a good question. I would like to think that – it's going to be hard to completely judge the 20 season in its full entirety and outcome, just because, you know, there's a lot that's going to be impacted this year, you know, shorter time for preparation um, in the off season, uh, you know, not having those non-conference games to get guys ready and obviously ready for the conference uh, slate of games. Um, but nonetheless, I would think that he is going to be on the hot seat still. I mean, it's a performance, it's a performance driven industry. It's a performance driven um, uh uh, you know, sport nonetheless. And, uh, you know, if, if he's not producing, I, I would imagine that he's going to be on the hot seat for sure. 
Now, do you see a way that they could be in contention at all for a championship at the South? I, I doubt it. I mean, um, there would have to be a lot of things that would go right, and uh, particularly that comes from the defense. I think that the offense is going to be able to score points, um, but, you know, with an entirely haul, new, newly hauled defensive staff, um, you know, them losing some key players like Scott Young or Scotty Young in the, at safety and, of course, Tony Fields, uh, second, who just decided to transfer a couple weeks ago. Um, you know, those are some big, crucial losses. Uh, but, honestly, I don't see it. There would have to be a lot of things that go right, I mean, you know, for them to even contend. But I, I just don't see that as a realistic possibility. You kind of just keep moving me into my next question. Uh, you, guys <laughs> gave up 30, you guys gave up 35 points a game last year. What is it going to take to shore up that defense this year? really just getting the right personnel. Um, and I don't want to completely throw players under the bus. I don't think that's completely right. I know that there's been kind of a lack of development. And I think um, keeping Yates from from the holdover from the, the Rich Rodriguez era was a huge mistake. Um, I don't know if he was just in, over his head or if it just wasn't the right, uh, you know, situation for him. But whatever he was doing, it just wasn't working. Um, I know they're going to change up scheme. They brought in some great coaches, which I'm actually really uh, optimistic about bringing in Andy Buh, uh, Paul Rhodes um, as a defensive coordinator. Um, you know, I do think there are some great personnel decisions, you know, switching to a three, four potentially would be a, a good move for that, you know, really highlight some guys, get them in position to be able to make plays, but um, for things to go right, they're going to need better pressure on the quarterback. They're going to need to figure out a way how to stop the run much more efficiently and, uh, you know, just get guys involved and in, in really making plays, not just from the, the starting 11, but, you know, the two deep and maybe even three deep guys. So that kind of, I mean, you keep doing it to us. You're, you're <laughs> leading us into the next questions. It's fantastic. You're saying that there's going to be definitely a change in philosophy from the defense from uh, to the 2019 to the 2020 season. Yep. What could uh, fans expect to see from this new system? And then maybe a couple of players to, that to, to watch out for. Yeah, I mean, you're going to likely see a 3-4. That's primarily what Paul Rhodes ran at Iowa State. And, uh, of course, he didn't have much say while at UCLA this past year. I, I can't speak with 100% certainty, but that's what all indications have been. Um, and from early indications of spring, too, was that they're moving to a 3-4, which, personally, I, I like. I think it highlights uh, the personnel that they have um, really well. Um, you know, I think it's going to be better for them just to be able to get more guys maybe in the box. I know they're kind of running a bit of a 4-2 uh, hybrid last year and, and still kind of in some ways a 3-3-5, which is god-awful at the Division One level. Um, but uh, just getting to a 3-4, I think, is going to be much more beneficial to them. And, uh, you know, getting some guys that are a bit more keen in, in uh, you know, development and that player personnel development is going to be huge. Now, as far as two guys, I would probably watch for on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, Jalen Harris, I'm a big fan of his. Uh, he had a great um, 2018 season. 2019 was a, a little bit of a down year. Um, and he came in as like a defensive end, but now they're moving him to like a linebacker position where he might be this kind of DeMarcus Ware, you know, linebacker defensive end hybrid, which I think is a fantastic fit. He's a tremendous athlete, strong kid, hard worker great pass rusher if he just can get the opportunity. So I really like him on defense. Um, outside of that, I mean, uh, really got to look at maybe a kid like Bobby Wolf. He's a kid that came in highly touted. Uh, was there a Sumlin commit with Texas A&M? 
transferred or didn't transfer, but he flipped his commitment to Arizona, came in as a freshman last year, played some games, looked pretty good. Uh, I think he's going to make a big jump. He's got the talent. He's got the size uh, at corner. So I really like him on, on defense as well. Moving on to the offense real quick. Uh, you guys, mm-hmm. you guys lost what I thought was the most electrifying player in college football about Certainly. 30 years ago with Khalil Tate. Um, Obviously, he had problems staying healthy the last two seasons. It, it, it kind of gave Grant Gunnell good experience. Uh, how do you feel moving forward with Grant? Uh, do, do you feel, how do you feel the quarterback room looks without Khalil Tate there that's been there for four years? Um, I know you're going to kind of get a split uh, a split group here. Um, a lot of people like Tate. I like Tate myself. I just think it wasn't the right fit for him offensively. Um, and I don't want to – go into hypotheticals or, you know, uh, theories as to why I think he failed in, uh, in in Mazzone's offense. But, uh, but nonetheless, I thought he was a fantastic athlete that probably could have done better. It just didn't work out. Now, as far as kind of the optimism and and kind of hope for the future, Gunnell was specifically recruited for this offense. He already has a relationship with Mazzone. He's a better fit in that one back spread offense that they run. Um, bit more pass oriented, which Tate obviously was, was fantastic runner. Uh, but the optimism is high. I mean, the kid broke just about every passing record in the state of Texas, which is incredibly hard to do when you look at some of the talent that's come out of that state, like Stafford and Breeze and Foles and what have you. Um, he's got a lot of talent, big, strong arm, big, strong kid, uh, showed some great things last year in the minimum amount of time that he played. So I think there's a lot of uh, optimism with with him being under quarterback. Uh, now the depth is kind of another question. It looks a little thin. Um, incoming freshman Will Plummer might be the number two guy, it seems like. Uh, so there's not a lot of deep um, talent there, but I think there is some good talent, at least at the one and maybe the two. Um, but Gunnell's, Gunnell's the real deal. He's going to be a really good player for, for a couple more years. What are some other guys that – fans can look out for on that offensive side? Uh, I mean, Gunnell for sure. But uh, in addition to that, Jamari Joyner, he's the kid that came out of Southern Arizona, just at a school called Cienega, which is about 20 miles south of of campus. Um, Came in as a quarterback in Rich Rodriguez's offense, transferred into uh, being a a wide receiver and um, took off last year. Uh, I know production only says, you know, 500 yards and five touchdowns, but considering he's never played receiver before, that's, pretty darn impressive. Um, you know, I know he had a broken foot uh, or at least a foot injury at Jones fracture over the spring ball and just got uh, medically cleared and he's healthy again. So I think he's going to make a big jump. He's physical. He's uh, strong, talented, athletic, uh, can make plays in the open field. And he's really dangerous with the football in the open field. Um, in addition to that, Gary Brightwell, uh, he kind of had to wait his turn a little bit hiding behind JJ Taylor who is a fantastic running back, but Gary Brightwell is, is kind of a dark horse pick to uh, be on the Doak Walker award watch list. He's already named to it. Um, you know, we'll see what he can produce, assuming there is a football season, but Gary Brightwell is a real deal as well. He's a fast, talented, physical runner. Arizona will win games if? They can score points and uh, they can stop people. I know it sounds <laughs> su- such a simplistic thing. I know it's not a very, very, very deep answer, but honestly, um, you know, there's a couple games last year where I think they had the chance to win. Uh, they're right within their reach, but, you know, just just couldn't stop the other team when it when it counted. Um, you know, if they can just hold teams to honestly under 28 points, which seems 
seems reasonable, but you know, this is a team that hasn't held anybody to under 28 points on average and seems like a decade now, but um, you know, if they can just hold some teams I, 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 to scoring points, I, I think that, you know, they are a talented team. It's just, can they all just put it together? What would be a successful season in your eyes for the Arizona Wildcats? Uh, prior to COVID, I would say, you know, making a bowl game. Um, now, I, I would still love that to be the standard. Um, I think just successful-wise would be getting through 2020, playing a full season, and, and getting guys as healthy as possible. But, of course, you know, making, making a bowl game would be the ultimate cherry on top, I would say. Awesome. And where can people find your work? Yeah, people can find us on Twitter, um, you know, zonazealots.com. Uh, but Twitter is where we obviously, you know, put out a lot of our media, uh, Facebook as well. We have our own personal page there. Um, but yeah, you know, zonazealots.com, uh, you can pretty much find our work. All right, Jake, you heard Eric. He's not really that enthused about the wildcat season, but here we are. Um, you've kind of been on, you know, for you in the lifetime of this podcast, you've been really hot and cold on Arizona. I've, I've been a huge Arizona proponent of uh, on the show. I, uh, man, I, I, I ate that, uh, I drank the Khalil K Kool-Aid for a couple <laughs> of years there. That was maybe I, your worst take. And I died by it. <laughs> Hard. I mean, I was the first one to drink it and everybody was like, Oh, he's dead. Don't drink that. <laughs> that was the Jim Jones kind of Kool-Aid. <laughs> With that being said, I'm jumping right back off. There <laughs> <it goes. laughs> that train is left. <laughs> and Jake is not getting on the Gunnel uh, Express, huh? No, no, sir. Once no. Khalil Tate left, so did Jake. Oh man, I you guys need to go run the tape again and and listen to Jake declare Arizona winning the Pac-12 uh. South. And Khalil Tate winning, winning the Heisman, Heisman. <laughs> and, and breaking every record ever created. I think. I mean, if it was up to you, they were going to rename the uh, the Heisman Trophy the Tate Award. I I think I, I if you quote me, I think I said he's a video game. He did, and uh, that video game was like injury was like set to one hundred. Uh huh. That sucked. Uh they got week one. They are away against Utah. Jake, what do you think? I think Utah's better coached, has more talent, has a better program right now. They have things figured out. Even though Utah's losing their starting running back and quarterback, they're still, they still got talent. And I think Utah's gonna walk away with this game. I think Arizona doesn't know their identity and for it being their first game, that's a heck of a challenge. And I, I don't think U, Utah's defense is going to let them figure their identity out on offense at all. So I think you're going to see Arizona really struggle. And, and it, I would be hard-pressed to say that they would score 20 in this game. Yeah, you know, Utah's losing a lot. And I'm not really sure how Utah's going to come back from uh... – Last year is really kind of a, a disappointing end of the season, plus all the graduations, but still. Right, but you know that their defense is still going to be good. Yeah, exactly. Kyle Winningham is the model of consistency, so I agree with you. That is a loss on both sides. Next, it doesn't get any easier. USC comes to town. Jake, what say yeah. you? Uh, USC. Um, I think this one's going to be a little bit of more competitive football game. 
just because I still think USC is a little reeling. Um, but again, I, USC's talent is just so much better than Arizona's, and that's what's going to be the difference in this game. I, I don't, I don't think they're necessarily coached better, but I just think the lack of talent Arizona has versus a USC program is is going to show its face. The Jimmy and Joes of the Trojan roster. Um, I mean, and, and and just listening to Eric, what, what, uh, you know, Arizona switching to a different defense, which could Mm -hmm. help, but they've just been so bad on the defensive side. Plus they lost some of their playmakers. Uh, I see USC running away with this game as well. Um, So they're 0 two and they're headed to Husky stadium. And this is where you're going to see, Arizona continue to make a little bit of stride. I actually think that this might be a pretty close game. But, um, you know, we're coming with a new quarterback, a a bunch of new offensive linemen. Uh, We lost a little bit of talent on defense that we weren't expecting to lose. And I think that Arizona could give us some concern. But at the end of the day, I think we walk away with another win. The one thing that Washington um, is not struggling with is, is defensive backs. And, uh, you know, if they're going to try to win the game with Grant Gunnell, it's, it's just not going to work. Uh, right. I see Washington. I think, I think their best chance to win, kind of like you're saying, is, is to run the ball. And the clock management, keeping our offense sidelined and long sustained drives against this defense and tire them out. And, you know, they can take a shot every once in a while but you're not going to see them fling the ball all over the field on this defense. Right. And the only way that they can is if they keep their quarterback upright. Which, uh, which will be a problem. Um, Washington, uh, despite losing who they lost, they still have a lot of talent on that, uh, in that front line. Um, So they're, yeah. So next, so next they're right now, we're both have them at zero and three. Uh, and possibly their first winnable game of the season uh, with uh, them going to UCLA. Jake, what do you think? I think they're going to be sitting on the 0-4 train. Oh. I think, uh, I think. Uh, well, what's his name? The quarterback for UCLA, DTR. Yeah, during Thomas Robinson. Yeah, I think he's finally going to catch a stride uh, and finally show what all those stars were about and the high rankings. And I think uh, – couple years under that Chip Kelly program could do him some good, some learning, um, especially a off season as long as this, where he has nothing but time to learn that playbook and get more comfortable with it. I, I think you're going to see, this is probably going to be a high scoring game between the two because they both lack on the defensive side of the ball big time. I just think that there's going to be that little of defense being played in this game. You know, Dorian Thomas Robinson is one of those guys that, you know, could uh, break through and finally, you know, be what he was supposed to be as one of the top rated quarterbacks coming out in his class. And, uh, and doesn't, doesn't this just scream to you the type of game that like makes his season, you know, like he has like three or four bad games, but he has such a great game against an Arizona that his numbers end up being okay. Yeah, and maybe, um, but you know, as bad as your takes have been on Arizona over the years of us doing this podcast, mine has equally been as bad with believing UCLA, UCLA was coming back. <laughs> Arizona's going to beat them. UCLA. Oh, I got them at a mighty one and three. 
I got him at an 0-4. Yes, you do. You know, you keep going for that UCLA train, and it's because of Chip Kelly, and that secretly just proves that you're an Oregon fan. Stop. Married the duck, bird the duck. There we go. Next, <laughs> next we got uh, Colorado coming to Arizona. Um, Jake, what do you think about this game? This could be the battle for uh, Trevor Lawrence. Uh, oh, they don't do the draft. <laughs> <laughs> Tank for Trevor? Take. Loser of this game gets Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> despite, I think they both will lose this game. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think this is when you see Arizona pull out their first win. Um, I'm down on Arizona, but I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go crazy down on them. Um, I think, I think Colorado's gonna be really bad again. Um, they lost their only playmaker with Lubishka Chenault, and he couldn't stay healthy anyways. So it's not like it's that big of a hit. But when he was on the field, he was dangerous, and he was their offense. I think they're really, really bad. They have no quarterback play. They have no defense. Their playmaking ability is atrocious. And I think you could see Arizona probably squeaking out a win here, probably a 23-20 game. Just, you know, it's going to be close. It might come down to a last-second field goal in this game. Yeah, and, you know, uh, Colorado losing their head coach last year when – uh, all, all indications right. he was going to stay. And, you know, right. he had some positive things going with, you know, even beating Washington and one of the weirdest games of a really weird season for the Huskies um, still have it, just the pain of that. I mean, he was a one-year coach. I mean, you're not, you don't expect that at the college level often. Right. And uh, especially when he said he wasn't going anywhere. Yeah. So I also have this as a win for Arizona. Um, and then the last game of the season. All right, so what do you got? Arizona State, Arizona. Arizona State's got a lot of talent. A lot of young talent, but a lot of talent, man. They're bringing in some blue bloods in that program. Yep. Um, seems like for the first time in a long time, they've really stolen some talent from us, it seems like. They're stealing some California talent that we were buying for. Um, I, th- I think Arizona State's probably going to win this game pretty easily. Yeah, I agree. Um, Arizona State has way too much talent. Hey, Husky fans, welcome back to Fourth and Inches, a Husky podcast from Sports Illustrated Husky Maven channel. And with me is Arizona State expert, Sandy Charles. Sandy, thanks for coming on the show. Of course. I'm happy to be here and talk all things Sun Devils. So uh, we're going to get right into this. What is the state of the program? I was perplexed, I guess, by, uh, you know, Herm Edwards, sort of the caricature that he um, he kind of became as an NFL analyst. But, man, it just seems like he has everything going right down there. Yeah, he really does. I know that there was a lot of negativity about this hire, about hiring him, but he's really turned this program around. He's so inspirational. He's so positive. And he's not just looking for athletes on the field, but he's also looking for men, men off the field who have high character. And he calls it the Sun Devil DNA. So he's really building something special. And, you know, Antonio Pierce, who he brought on, and uh, all the NFL experience with all of these across 
the board with all of these coaches, there's just, it's really special, but you have, you have the older coaches and then you have the young guys like Chris Hawkins and Derek Hagan and Prentice Gill. So there's a mix. So it's not just, I know they got a lot of flack for, Oh, they don't know how to recruit. They don't know how to do this. Well, that's why you hire the guys that do and are who are locked in and they across the nation with recruiting are really getting it done. So it is a positive trajectory just going up each year. They're getting better. They've gone to a bowl consecutively. You know, Herm's going into his third season. The buy-in from the coaches and from the players is just incredible. These players love playing for him. And if you ever sit on a zoom or sit in a press conference after with him, you just, you, you hang on every word he says because of how he says it. He, if it feels like he's talking right to you and you leave feeling better than ever. And so I can't just, just imagine being an athlete under him. You, you think you can take on the world and that's what he's creating. But again, young man, young men with DNA that work hard. And he talks about that. He's like, I want a guy who's going to put in the work during the week. The work is where it's hard. Saturday, the game, that's easy. You already prepared. So he's looking for those kind of young athletes. And that's, that's where the program's going. He's building it. New offensive coordinator, two new defensive coordinators, all so talented, just uh, across the board, good things on the up and up. They should contend for the Pac-12 South this year. And I'm saying should because I also think they should contend for the Pac-12 championship as well. Yeah, and it sounds like they've just they've gotten buy-in not only from the coaches but the fan base at large. Hundred percent. Again, super skeptical when first hired him. Like, huh? What's what are they doing? But continuously, they've bought in. Again, the fans have bought in. They see how even kill he stays on the sidelines, and no matter what, down in you know two seconds left, what are they going to do? He, he never, you never see him tether. He never, uh oh, he doesn't wince. You know, he's always, he's confident what he's doing. And when he's confident, the fans are confident. The players are confident. They are bought in. The Herm train is not stopping anytime soon. Not for fans, not for recruits, not for coaching, nothing. It, it's fantastic. Even to be a media member and to be able to cover someone it, so positive and just loves what he's doing. It just, it's, it exudes everywhere and to the fans, everyone, they are hyped. They are loving it. If you say one bad thing about Herm or what he's doing, you will get reamed all over social media. Don't even do it. <laughs> that is awesome. And, you know, I know that when he came, the, the idea was to keep those coordinators and they both ended up leaving. And it was like, man, this is going to be a train wreck, but They've obviously turned it around. Let's start on the offensive side. What is the offensive identity of Arizona State? So new offensive coordinator, Zach Hill from Boise State. They both, Herm Edwards, love to run the ball. But aside from that, he was told to Zach Hill before he got to ASU, look, we're building this around Jaden Daniels. Sophomore quarterback had a breakout freshman season. He is the offense we're building around him. So first and foremost, Jaden Daniels. Then second part, the running game. Yes, they like to say that they keep it balanced, but if you look at it, they really love to run the ball. At Boise State, there was a true freshman at Hill that ran for over 1,000 yards. So he likes to run the ball. So that's going to be where the offense is this year. 
but we have to find out who that running back is going to be. We lost, you know, Benjamin. So we know what it's going to look like. We just don't know who it's going to be. And the offensive line is another area. It's, that's the, I would say the weak point of the offense. We have Jaden Daniels. We know that he's great. All the rest of the pieces, we're not really sure. We're not sure running back. We're not sure center because we lost, lost Cole Cabral. So is that going to be Cade Cody? Like we're not really sure with offensive line. So Yay, we got our star quarterback. But how are we going to protect him? How are we going to run the ball? Yeah, and, you know, when you think of Arizona State, you think of stud-wide receivers. Um, who are a couple of guys on the roster that uh, Husky fans should keep their eye on? Hands down, without a doubt, it's going to be Frank Darby. He is the wide, rec wide receiver of this year. 2020 is his year. You know, Brandon Ayuk kind of stole the, the light last year, and Nikhil Harry stole it from him the year before. So this is his year. And Antonio Pierce, in an interview with Brad Sessman on the Brad Sessman Show, said he's done being Robin. This, he's done being Robin. This is his time to be Batman. And, man, I can't imagine a better scenario or metaphor for Frank Darby. This is his year. He's going to go off. You know, he spreads out the defense. He has speed, everything that you want, and his energy. From what I'm hearing inside the locker room and everywhere at ASU, his energy when he walks into the room, everyone knows Frank Darby's here. Frank Darby's here, always smiling, positive. So that's going to be brought onto the field. So hands down, he should be the number one receiver for ASU this year and hopefully continue the streak of NFL drafts going first round. I don't want to put that pressure on him. You know, let's get through the season, right. but that's kind of, that's, that's expectation, which it, it's, that's hard, hard for a player. Just get through the year. See if we can get through this with COVID. <laughs> right. And just like the legacy of, of what Arizona state receivers have been, that is, it's something that, um, a player can take pride in, but it also is a huge, um, it's a burden. And um, I, watching him, uh, I think that that tradition will continue. Um, yes. So let's move over to the defensive side of the ball. Who are some difference makers on the Sun Devil defense? Well, the Sun Devil defense, the strongest unit of on offense or defense is going to be the secondary. The last two, three years, the secondary, there's been so many questions. They were so young. Now they are the leaders. It is the strength of this ASU team. You know, Jack Jones, Chase Lucas. Chase Lucas is going into his fourth season. If they beat U of A this year, he'll be the only cornerback and only secondary to have beat U of A all four years. So Chase Lucas brings this leadership and he's super talented, really, really talented. When he keeps his head down and he stays focused, that's him. And then you have Jack Jones across from him. He's a five-star recruit out of high school. So he, he has, we've seen the potential. We've seen the burst of light that he can bring on the field. He started off a little slow last year. He had a lot of momentum uh, that he ended the year on, you know, the, at U of A during the Territorial Cup. He had a couple of interceptions. So if he can build off that and stay grounded and really just stay focused, he's definitely one of the guys, or both of those guys to work. watch. The secondary is the strength. I do want to touch on Tyler Johnson, the, the defensive line, which on the defense is where all the maturity comes. I know I mentioned on offense, there's so many questions, but when you get to defense, that's where the maturity is. There's eight returning starters. And one person, I love his story, Tyler Johnson, um, 
ASU has struggled in pass rush. That is on their defense. That's where they really, really struggle. Last year uh, with sacks, uh, quarterback sacks, they were 72nd. So not good at all. Tyler Johnson is the difference maker when he's playing, when he's healthy. He's been plagued with injuries. And then last year after the bowl, he actually decided he wasn't going to do football anymore and he retired. So now he's back. He decided he wants to come back, which is an interesting story. And when he's down and he's in the zone, I've heard comps com- compared to Terrell Suggs. So that's a big, that, those are big shoes to fill. And that's what I was reading. And that's what I've been hearing. And so Tyler Johnson, that's the guy on defense on the end pass pass rush just he's the one that we should just really take it keep an eye on this year to really get that number off 72 and get the quarterback sacks up <laughs> awesome how is Arizona State going to win games this year the running game they have got to get the running game going this year and it's gonna probably rely on Deonte Trainum. that's a mouthful um <laughs> he's a freshman coming in it's it's going to rely a lot on him. You know, Benjamin was getting 90% of the rushing attempts last year. That's a huge workload for a running back, but you know, Benjamin, you know, Benjamin handled it amazingly. You know, there were tough days and there were hard days and the offensive line didn't open gaps for him and he never held his head down and he just kept going. So DeMonte Trainum is, he needs to step it up, which is, tough he's he's a freshman coming in they need to get the running game going and they need on the defense pass rush they need to put pressure on the quarterback if the quarterback can stand there all day long and just pick whoever wants to throw to ASU is not going to win any games so and in order for the secondary which is the strongest part of this ASU defense to do their job the pass rush has to do their job it is a trickle effect so really pass rush and get that running game going and ASU is going to win. They will be competitive again in, in the PAC 12 South. And then uh, what would be, what would you consider a successful season for the Sun Devils? Uh, successful season, definitely. So eight and five last year, this year, 10 game season. I, okay. So really Utah has been the difference maker for us. We lost to them last year. And every year they come back kind of like the sneaky dark horse. Like I just, they just kind of come out of nowhere, super talented. They lose a lot of talented, but somehow always make up for it. So I think if we can defeat Utah this year, um, USC and Cal will be the other two iffies. So if we go seven and three and make another bowl game, but continuously make better bowl games, I really see that as Herm just, I mean, he's getting better and better every year with what he's growing so seven and three but pack 12 south champions i really want to see it i think if there's gonna be a year that they're competitive for pack 12 south before ucla figures it back out before u of a figures it back out it is this year we're gonna have our eyes on them because it really could be a pack 12 championship preview we're gonna move on to arizona state um you heard sandy charles she has glowing things to say about the Sun Devils and what Herm is building. So Jake, let's jump right into it. They start off with probably their toughest game on their schedule. They start the year off against Southern Cal. Yeah. Um, I think this is a win for Arizona state. I think, I think they are 
they don't have the five stars that USC has, but they have more depth and more and and just overall talent. I think that they're right up there with USC, and I think they're better coached. And I think that goes a long ways, as we saw with the Chris Peterson era at UW. He didn't get a bunch of five stars, but he coached his players up, and that's what Herm Edwards is doing. And USC is doing the exact opposite, where they're getting five-star kids, but they are not coaching their kids up to be better football players. And that's why you're going to see Arizona State win this game. You know, and and that's one of the things, like, USC has talent. Keaton Slovis obviously is one of the best quarterbacks in the in the Pac-12. They have the receivers. You know, last year's recruiting cycle was bad, but then they've they brought in new uh, – new staff around Helton. Graham Harrell is still there. But why I think that you're correct is that Graham Harrell runs a pass-first offense. And Arizona State's weakness, as Sandy Charles was saying, has become their strength. And yeah. their their experience is on the back end. And so Keaton Slovis might have a tough time. And next up they have um, – kind of one of the darlings of some of the uh, the people who cover the Pac-12, and that's the Cal Bears, and they have them at home. Um, what do you think, Jake? I think Cal's actually a really tough matchup for Arizona State. Um, I think Cal's defense poses a lot of uh, threats to this offense. Um, they're so fast, and they're so talented. And like you just talked about, with, with, with Cal's defense – you saw it happen to Easton last year where guys are covered tight and, and Daniels is going to have a hard time hucking the ball around and they better have a good running game because if they don't, they're going to be in for a long day against Cal. And I think Cal's actually got enough talent on offense to, to kind of run the score up a little bit higher than Arizona state wants to in this game. So I think you're going to see Cal actually pull off the upset and, and, um, in the, in the desert. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to go and I'm kind of being a hack here because I don't have the stat in front of me, but uh, teams that play physical teams like Washington before they, uh, so when they play Washington, there's a lot of statistics that show that they struggle the next week because they're beat up. And yeah. uh, Cal is coming off of an opening day weekend against Washington and then going up against another team that's an NFL style, tough style of um, game. I can see Cal coming in a little bit beat up uh, and then having a Herm Edwards style NFL game where uh, it's, it's not throwing it around um, there, you know, Arizona state rarely wins or loses by more than a touchdown. So what I could see is a close game, but I think um, Arizona State will get the win against Cal. I also don't think Cal's as good as people think. Cal's been on the upswing for the last couple of years, though, and I could see them still doing that. So yeah, let's not get into Cal like we just dove into you. I appreciate it because I was just about to fly down my little soapbox. (laughs) There goes the tunnel. (laughs) <laughs> okay, so next, uh, Arizona State, they go to Colorado. Jake, let's make this one short and sweet. <laughs> Arizona State. Yep. All right, then their next big game is a home game hosting the Utes. 
Yeah, I think Utah probably. Ah, that's a good game, though. Man. Great game. And they've been going back and forth year to year. I'm going to go Arizona State. Okay. I uh, am going the opposite. I'm going to say that Utah wins this game. Again, the North isn't as top to bottom good as it used to be where they dominated the South, but I still see the, like the South and the North are a lot more similar this year where I think there's three pretty good teams in the South and three pretty good teams in the North, and they're going to just create havoc within themselves. And so, uh, and of course for the South, we're looking at UCLA, USC, Utah and ASU, and they're going to make it really hard on the decision makers on who to send to the Pac-12 championship yeah. from the South. So I'm going to say it's a loss because those are toss-up games. They they don't like each other, and a, they play a similar style of football. That's a tough game to pick, really. Uh, it's very I was, hard. I was going to pick Utah, but uh, I, I think Arizona State's got the talent to to do it, man. I really do. I think. I think they have enough offense. I think that their, their defense is really good. Their secondary is really good. And I think they're going to give Utah lots of problems. So, and you have a, you have a good argument for that because Utah, who they have a murderer's row right there, if you can have a murderer's row in a six-game season, they go USC, Arizona State. So yeah. they have their two biggest games of the year back-to-back. I'm not yeah. going to change mine because really my guess is I'm going to have USC beat one of them. ASU beat the other one and Utah beat the other. So I'm going to stick with it, but you have a good point. You know what, you know, what could, what could sway this game is playing USC in that air raid offense and a safety or a corner comes up and lays a boom on somebody and gets called for targeting and has to miss the next game. And it's a big blow to Arizona state and Utah takes advantage of it. Sure. That's kind of the kind of, what happens in college football. So I could see something like that kind of playing out in that, in that way. Okay. So these next two are going to be pretty easy. We have Arizona state um, hosting UCLA, Arizona state, Arizona state. I agree. And then we have Arizona. We already said that oh, yeah. is a win for the devil. Arizona by 20, right? Yeah, that's what you said. We're going to hold you to it. (laughs) We have, Jake, you and I have the same record for Arizona State. We have them both at five and one. The losses are different. In your situation, you are are saying that Arizona State probably has the best chance of being South champions because their loss comes to a, a North team. So um, I have them losing to Utah, which will throw the whole thing into disarray. And uh, that's just the way I like it. That'll do it for fourth and inches, a Husky podcast from Sports Illustrated Husky Maven channel. For more daily content, visit si.com forward slash college forward slash Washington. Go dogs. Go dogs.